Hey everybody, thanks for downloading this episode of the Agile Wire. Before we jump in, we want to let you know about the Agile Online Summit that our friend Tom Henriksen puts on every year. They've opened their call for speakers and have a survey up to gauge the interest in the different talks at agileonlinesummit.com. That's agileonlinesummit, all one word, dot com. If you're interested, we definitely recommend checking that out. All right. So Jeff and I ran another experiment in this episode, sitting down in a room and sharing the mic with a good friend and very skilled coach, Conrad Heidekevich. He'd just gotten back from an agile culture and leadership course, and we figured this would be a great chance to hear about his takeaways. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the Agile Wire, where professional scrum trainers Jeff Boobles and Jeff Molesky discuss agile topics. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Boobles and Jeff Molesky. All right, so this week we have Conrad Heidekevich on the podcast. Conrad, you recently started your own uh, company, Modern Org, and uh, Conrad's an organizational agility advisor. Is Mm -hmm. that how you like to uh, title yourself these days? Yeah, you know what's so funny is those titles always give me a headache, and every every time it's just different different flavor today, I try to come up with something different. Uh, what, uh, let me let me think. What's on my LinkedIn right now? Um, I think it's organizational uh, change. You know what? I don't even remember. Uh, it's something to the effect. It's organizational structure, organizational change, organizational other things. Uh, in general, uh, I'd like to be titleless, I guess. Sure. Okay. And uh, we've been working together, um, both Jeff and myself with you, over the last few months, and we've worked together in the past few years together on different engagements. Seems um, forever, yeah. And um, you're rolling off uh, this organization and, and moving on to bigger and better things, but one of the things we know you're doing, or you just did, was you went to this um, Agile Leadership yep. um, course, yep. and you came away with some pretty cool insights, and we just thought, oh, let's let's chat about this on the podcast. and, and uh Maybe dive into some of the, the details that you guys went through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really interesting because that's the uh, it, it's prefixed with agile, agile leadership uh, training. Actually, the full title is agile culture and leadership, um, and it's delivered through Scrum Alliance officially. They have different educators in there, and Michael Sahora, uh, whom I met in the past in um, in one of the agile conferences, I believe it was Agile twenty fourteen. Uh, met him, spoke with him, and, and we really aligned, or I found that I aligned with his style of what he's trying to bring into the into the teaching. In the beginning, I think he started as a very much the human element was very important to him, and this yeah. is, this was what it's always on, on my mind. Uh, and as of late, he brought more the 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 consciousness and and energy and. And the things that neuroscience is, is showing us of, of how human beings are wired, how they learn, how they unlearn, how they program. And then it goes beyond that. It goes through the energy space. I think some of the influence, what I've learned from, from that is like she was co-taught by him and his wife. Uh, uh, let, me, let me quickly take a look at her name. Uh, keep forgetting. Uh, Audrey. Yeah, Audrey. Um, she is... Um, um, certified uh, or she's learned through all, all her life in, in that space in the energy and in, in, the, in the mindset 
I think, yeah, mindset and consciousness. Uh, so I thought it was fascinating how they brought all those elements together into the training. I knew from some feedback that other people had taken it. And feedback wasn't always the, the best for, for that class because some people, you know, try to stay away from that or maybe that's not, not attractive to them. Some really don't like the woo-woo stuff. Uh, I was drawn to that and, and definitely um, uh, met my expectations in, in that respect, you know, how to... You know, we talked about a lot of times we referenced the uh, reinventing organizations, you know, the teal organization. Right. One of the elements in the teal organization that always uh, spoke loudest to me is to bring your whole self to work. Yeah. Uh, approach in this class was let's look at your whole self as a human being hmm. and what will that mean for you when you are trying to develop your leadership skills. Can you give an example of how they actually did that in the course? Yeah, so um, uh, so as far as the, the tactical, some practices, there was uh, uh, some meditation that happened. Uh, we talked about energy. We talked about neuroscience. We talked about subconscious programming and then the conscious expression. Um, uh, we opened up in the, in a circle where we got to feel ourselves you know so you close your eyes one of the the, the, the kind of cliche things that I've tried in my classes that I taught and some people kind of respond to it in a, in a maybe not so favorable way kind of thinking it's like who is this guy what, what is this I gotta close my eyes again mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I mean the, the, in all seriousness uh, taking away some of the preconceived notions about that if you truly um, uh, look into it and see where that what the science tells, this is a really important uh, element of us being, us interacting, us learning in general. So the the three elements were was to... Um, let me quickly take a look at here, because I just came back, and this is really fresh in my mind. So... Um, I like that workbook, though. Yeah, it is cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's partially slides and partially left uh, open for you to fill in. Um... It, go, it gives you some playbook and, and some, some rules. And the, the rule number one was to listen. And the thing was that the elements within was, number one, you got to listen to yourself. So the first opening circle was very much like that. You sit in the circle, you ground yourself, you take all the way, all your distractions, you close your eyes, and then you pay attention. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what you're feeling, what you're hearing, what you're smelling, you know, very much. Yeah. If you practice, anybody that practices mindfulness, you, yeah. you right away find that uh, uh, familiar. But in a professional setting, professional class, it's, it's, it's kind of odd. But we've done that, right? Like, we've yeah. got that course that we've run yeah. together where we ask people, like, hey, in your organization, imagine this most agile organization yeah. out there. All these books are being write, written about how yeah. amazing uh, your organization is. And then you ask them to close their eyes and say, you know, what does that look like? What does it sound like? You know, what does it feel like? Mm-hmm. And people think about these questions and you get paused or whatever longer. Um, and then you come back and you have this discussion and it's amazing what comes out of that, right? But yeah. It, yeah. It, it sounds a little weird, though, when you do say, shut your eyes and just envision this for a second, right? Like, yeah. it is a little different. And I think you're right. People kind of look at you weird, but it yeah. tends to work out well. Or that activity has worked out well for very much in the past. So. Very much so. I mean, I, I, I tried something to this, to this effect in the past in my classes, uh, you know, with a various... Um, results, uh, the outcomes were always positive, but going through this journey, some people find, found it uncomfortable. The, 
the thing that drew me to this class and what, what, what really met my expectations was this is deliberately put in there. And not only it's there, but it's part of the teaching. The, 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 everything that's done in that class is something to model how you as a leader could, you know, how are you going to show up at work? What are you going to do? So this very exercise that we, that we did at the beginning was when you come to work any, any day, sit down, take 30 seconds, a minute, whatever, ground yourself, realize how you, how you are. So listen to yourself. You've got to be able to listen to yourself before you listen to other people. So the, the, the number one rule, rule number one was listen. It was listen to yourself, listen to people, and then listen to the voice of the system. Mm-hmm. You know, we right away as problem solvers jump in to try to solve the yeah. system. We try to listen and, and to that. But if you know how you walked into the work, you know, what, what's happening in your, in your personal life? Uh, what happened on the road, you know, on the, on the belt line? Did somebody cut you off and put you in a certain mode? you got to listen to it yourself because that's how you know how you are arriving in this, in, this, uh, in this journey with other people. And the other element of that was, how are we going to travel together? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the softer side, squishy stuff, we're talking about leadership, but it was very much starting with somewhat, some people could call it esoteric. And it's, I don't think it is at this point, because it is a, it's all scientifically proven too, which they, they unfolded in class as well. It's interesting, um, we had that talk on Holacracy at the Mad City Agility Meetup recently, and Jonathan was talking about how one of the core practices and one of the meetings is to do a check-in round. Yeah. You know, and that just made me think of what you were just talking about, like bringing your whole self and saying, here's where I'm at today, or, you know, hey, I didn't sleep well last night, my kids were up all night sick, and so if I seem distracted, that's why, or if I seem tired, that's why. It's yeah. not that I'm not interested. It's this is what's going on with my life and, yeah. and just give people that awareness so they can they can have some empathy for where you're at right very Bring much so in. very much so I mean the other, other other thing was that after after this few few moments of listening to yourself you would go in a circle and say yeah here's my my name is Conrad and here's one word that describes how I perceive myself at the moment right and then maybe a phrase of of uh, explanation and what you want to get get out of that, that, that. Very similar to checking, like you said. And, you know, just to jump into the end, there was a closing circle, which was similar to that too. How do you feel now? So a lot of that that element was pervasive throughout. Some to a lesser of a level that that you may not even realize that it's going on, and other ones was right in your face when Audrey would come in and basically say, "Okay, now we're gonna meditate." And that's where, uh, you know, and, and, and that's where really, it really hits you, especially if, you, if you've practiced that before. I mean, the, the meditation pieces were really took me internally into a deep place where I could start reconciling the intellectual uh, part of what I was consuming, I guess, with the emotional things that it starts stirring. And, and you know, as, as you may imagine, you know, any, any, any of us being in the class, we come with a certain amount of knowledge, experience, maybe preconceived notions, and they're going to be challenged. So one of the, one of the elements in, in this class was what, what Michael introduced was uh, the learning hack. Uh, it's stuck in my head because it is very often something that, that I experience. I think you guys 
will, will, will agree that you do too, is you come into a certain situation with your knowledge, your experience, preconceived notions, etc. And then I come into the situation and I will share mine. Now we can start looking at this as I'm right, you're wrong, or win-lose, or you can take your element, hold it in your mind, you can bring my element, hold it in your mind, and start having the, the almost a debate within yourself. Maybe you're still going to agree with yours. Maybe mine will override yours and you're going to take on mine, or maybe something brand new, completely awesome will emerge as a combination of the two. So I felt like that cognitive dissonance in a couple of times throughout the course when we were talking about uh, culture first versus structure first. You know, that's, that's a common thing that comes in. It's like mm -hmm. we, we've always been using the term culture follows structure. One of the challenges in this course, course was that, you know, it's all about the culture. Yeah, structures exist and support everything, mm -hmm. but you really start to um, um, focus and, and energy the cultural pieces sure so knowing this learning hack up front made me conscious of it and as opposed to being more efficient with my thinking and sticking to my own sure presupposition your mind up a little bit yeah more. to grab his and allow both of them to live in my in my head and to be honest I still haven't reconciled both of them that they're still there together trying to uh, see it, probably apply it and see how it, how it plays out. I have some new ideas coming out of it as well. Maybe it's both. Maybe, maybe you apply things that are cultural, you know, the people's values, people's consciousness. Consciousness, I think, would equate to mindset. You know, I mean, there's more to consciousness, obviously, than just mindset, but that's how you can look at it. Um, so if you take this, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to now try it come from both ways, not necessarily force the structural change and hope for culture to follow, but we believe that it happens. Let's, let's play with maybe coming from both sides and meeting in the middle somehow. Hmm. When you were, you were talking about listening, listening to yourself, listening to others, and listening to the, the system, Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that this, this was coming up in our uh, the course that we just did a few days ago, the PSF2 course, and just that exercise of just listening, it really, really listening, seeking to listen, yeah. as opposed to seeking to find the break in conversation to interject what you want to say. Correct. Um, so I, I like that. I like where you're going with the listening. But what I'm intrigued by is that third, that, that listening to the system. Okay. Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, seeing essentially surrounding this like I don't know if, if this would be accurate to call it the third level listening right because you're the first you listen to yourself second it's like with other people yeah. and the third is meta level a lot of times we're looking at the whole system and it's like how do we fit into it how do other people fit into it so in order to be able to hear it well you gotta first take the you gotta take the first steps before you actually start paying attention to the system as a whole. So, yeah, so not to skirt your question about this, the larger system, because that, that basically came with um, the consciousness of yourself is what you've got to be familiar with first. Then through listening and the laser listening to other people, uh, you fulfill the second step, and then and only then you're ready to 
to take on the system as a whole. Mm -hmm. So what meta level, it's totally contextual, right? It doesn't matter how big or, or small it is, but it's a larger system at hand. So laser listening was very, very, that, that was new to me, very interesting. Uh, there are two rules for laser listening. Do not talk and do not think about talking. <laughs> That's hard because, you know, you're... <laughs> this is the I'm, first two rules of Fight Club right Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> so... Because I, I feel myself doing that sometimes, right? Yeah. Like, we're having a conversation, and I'm like, I'm really trying to actively listen to somebody, and then I'm like, thinking about, okay, oh, what about this? Or what about... This? And then you got to shut that out, right? Yeah. And then you got to like... I'm not even thinking about talking. I'm just like, whatever happens, happens. And yeah. just like fully into the conversation, right? Absolutely. You know, and the, the thing is that it's so simple, but when you practice it, it becomes really challenging. Yeah. Uh, the part is that, you know, I'm a, I'm a nodder. I always nod my head uh, to acknowledge that I'm listening. Mm -hmm. But even that goes away in laser listening. So you, like, not, you don't do mm-hmm or you nod your head like I normally do. You don't distract that at all. Laser is like laser focus, right? Very fine beam and exactly at that point so do not talk do not think about talking and there are a couple other things which is noticing notice desire to talk if you have a desire so be kind with yourself don't beat yourself up over it that's just being normal human being but if you want to truly laser listen just notice it and bring it back notice it and bring it back I know have you guys uh, uh, either of you heard or practiced mindfulness at all I've heard of it but I haven't uh, yeah, heard of it, read so, some stuff on it, tried some little yeah, variations And, and I'm going to use meditation, even though the word meditation is so overused. You know, people sure. close their eyes, sit for a moment, you know, they, they may say I'm meditating. You know, that's kind of, I guess, we, uh, we tend to, we in Western culture take to, can, can take all the Eastern philosophy stuff and, and make it our own. Actually, I've heard that from, from some yogis that they talk about that, how, how we Americans specifically... Uh, uh, Americanize everything. So, so yeah, American meditation maybe. But if you're talking about truly meditating or, or, or mindfulness, it's it's emptying your mind and being observer almost. So your thoughts will come in, but not participating in them, but observing them, letting them go by. That's that's really kind of state of meditation. There are different kinds of meditation too. So I, I'm 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 not that knowledgeable, and I I know I'm probably not giving it justice. But in general, this is. This is my understanding, and this was very big parallel with, with the laser listening. It's like you're going to have to have a desire to talk. You're going to catch yourself with that thought. Just bring yourself back and, and, and laser focus, refocus again, and be kind to yourself. One of the elements of the, of the uh, listening to yourself, being aware of yourself, kindness is, uh, is, is a big thing. It's like anything happens, you're a normal human being. So that's, that was actually... Ironically, front and center of, of, of leadership. It's like being really aware of yourself and kind to yourself. No matter where you are in a journey, just do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you think you're screwing up, if you're not following some process of procedures that you've been given, even from this, even from this class, what he unfolded, it's like don't worry about it. Just bring yourself back and and try executing on that path. So the notice, desire to talk, notice your thoughts, just in, any inner dialogue that may happen, and then emotions. So always coming back to the emotions. How do I feel? How do I feel? And it's real feeling, not, uh, not like uh, the, the thoughts that masquerade as feelings. So, interesting. It's interesting you bring up that, that mindfulness. Just Jeff and I recently listened to Naval 
his podcast, and he, he was on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. probably about a few weeks ago now. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. you caught that one. But bits and pieces, I, I still have to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Man, he was talking about it just in the same way, just just relaxing and just observing your thoughts. And I, and I was able to do it for like two nights um, just yeah. because I got lazy and stopped doing it. But he even talked about this, like a lot of people will do it for one, one or two times and then they'll just kind of let it go. But once, once you can get over doing it for 30 days or 60 yeah. days, you start getting into that rhythm and then you start seeing the power of just mentally allowing yourself to unload all the garbage that is accumulated in there, like beneath the surface, like maybe it's system one, system two, and I think system two is the slower one, but like it's working through all of that stuff in the background and you just need to give it some it, the space to do so. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just interesting that, that that you were bringing it up here as well. So yeah, it's a, a subtle nudge to maybe try it again. So yeah, maybe next time you go three nights and then you can just kind of build on top of it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the reason why why yeah. you know I really sought out this particular uh, version of, of of the leadership training that Michael puts to, puts on because of that. I mean, I practice these on my own for my for my uh, personal um, life and and mental health in general. Um, so I definitely enjoy it now. Just what what I'm intrigued the most by all this thing how that how how that can be brought into professional fold in a palatable way, and you know I, I don't know if he um, struck that chord on that found that balance. But it what, what what struck me really interesting is that he didn't care in a way that if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. It's it's okay. It's, you know, the, it's like we're coming to this as adults. We have certain preconceived notions. That's kind of the kind of conversation that happened. We, we're going to have preconceived notions. We may believe certain things. We may not. I may say things that you completely disagree, and I will challenge you to the core. That's okay. These are just thoughts and opinions. This doesn't mean lesser of you as a person or of me as an educator. And I thought this was like, well, mind-blown. It's like, absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the approach that we all need to have. And being authentic and upfront with that, that set up, I think, this class in a way that even some of the woo-woo stuff, for some people that see it that way, yeah. was still okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other, other things that, uh, you know, the foundation of, 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 of uh, cultural... I mean, we, get, uh, we got into the part of... Uh, the agile is in the title, right? It's an agile leadership and culture. Now, we scratch the agile out of that very quickly. Why, why is that? It's because agile is a means to an end, not the end. The, the end, for the most of, of his experience, is, in, in the, if you can synthesize, and synthesize all of the, the needs and the, and the desires that people have within their organization is they want to get to high performance. And not high performance efficiency, you know, just unsustainable pace, but high performance in all aspects of wholeness, right? Mm-hmm. So joy, all the uh, joy, happiness, uh, uh, customer delight, uh, connection with a purpose, making an impact, uh, all these things, and done in a way where, where it just comes out naturally out of organizations, out of people, that's the high performance. And if that's the goal, Agile probably is one of the tools that you're going to use to get there. Mm-hmm. But it's not the 
end the, state. Not the, not the end state, not the goal. So, so basically talking about, okay, it's agile leadership. And frequently would have to kind of inject, okay, so what does this all stuff have to do with agile? Well, it doesn't have to have anything to do with agile, but if you want to make a connection, here it is. And he would kind of unfold the connection. So a question for you. So what's the difference between um, agile leadership and just leadership? For me? Yeah, just what's your thoughts? Uh, none. Yeah. I would say there's... Um, my, my original step would say this is good leadership and there's a shitty leadership. <laughs> Maybe in a, in a better way there's a good and there's a great, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's no leadership. Because there are there yeah. are folks that you know maybe they think they're they're leading and 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 you know and they're different stages different abilities and they just can't lead. Sure. Fine, but I don't think it has anything to do with agile. I mean, I've, I've any exercise that I've done with uh, what makes a good agile leader, right? And ag- we all yeah, in agile yeah. context. So, yeah. and you start coming up with those lists, good versus bad, agile leader, and then you look at those lists and it's like, oh, what if we scratch the the word agile? Do those do yep. these elements still hold true? And sure enough, so it's not agile leadership; it's it's leadership in general. Now, what I think it's what's really critical is that when organizations really start embracing the possibility of what agile brings in, you know, the the, the culture, the empowerment, the the wholeness, the, yeah. all the stuff, good leadership is important, right? Yeah, you have to. Um, and, and I think that's what the whole class is about, and this is actually the very first step in the journey uh, that, that, that goes beyond. Um, what it, how do we become good leaders so we can support the effort that some organizations undertake of transforming into high performance and using agility mm. as, uh, as one of the tools that have? So, yeah, it, so, it, was, it was terrific. Another question kind of on those same lines. What would you say the difference between management and leadership is? Oh, this is like the classic, classic. I'm a bad person to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's why I asked it to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me tell you. Um, thinking. Well, I believe, I fully believe that you don't manage human beings. You can't manage or you maybe shouldn't manage I say can't because I every every interaction I have with people that try to manage me said you can't manage me Uh, human being is is something more than a thing that you normally manage so I would I would say managing system managing things managing processes yes and there are plenty in the within the business any business that you have to manage but it's not managing people, and now we get we, you know, s- s- get, get used to the treating people like resources for all the reasons that, that we can't unpack in you know short period of time. But uh, you know, if people are treated as resources, then you manage them, yeah, and or you at least you try. And for me, the, the the only the only thing is that yeah, you can lead, you can be a leader, you can be a follower, you can lead or you can follow. Um, managing falls flat in its face. I know I didn't answer your question, what is the difference? Uh, but that's why I struggle always with, with the differences because if we're looking at the difference between management and leadership if, as it applies to people, I don't think management applies to people. And I also believe that people are capable of managing themselves, uh, everybody. Maybe, maybe they don't know about it, maybe they have to be um, 
shown the way and collaboratively solve it, but we all are able to manage whatever stuff with stuff within our human system by ourselves. We don't have to have like manager hierarchical. Um, Would you say that not all managers are leaders? Not all leaders are managers. Yeah, totally. And then, um, yeah, I guess if you if you agree yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. But just to uh, kind of maybe answer your previous one, what what I do believe maybe maybe give you characteristic of a leader. What I look at in a leader, uh, for me, leadership is very simple. If you inspire me by whatever means and give me the clear purpose to give me the inspiration and clarity of where we going mm -hmm. so you as a leader then I will be your follower and I will go to the moon and back whatever um, and if you try to do the tactical things in between to maybe how to get there on this journey that's more of a managing things so uh, leadership in, 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 in essence I think is relatively straightforward I don't know. What do you guys think? I think I'm, I, I'm thinking back to um, something you've said before to me, and I know you were working with some other leaders, and one of the things you're doing is you're kind of like setting that expectations of, of um, how you want to work together. Is You've said, you know, I don't really work for people. I yeah. work with people. Yeah. And there's a big distin distinction for me. And... I really, I don't know, I guess I really took that to heart and I really, I really like that statement mm -hmm. because no one wants to, nobody wants to be controlled or worked for or like um, feel that pressure, yeah. but working with somebody and collaborating with them, that gives people energy, I think, and that like, that inspires. Yeah. And so yeah. I just really, I like that saying. No, I agree with that. Actually, uh, uh, before... Jeff and I were talking about it, kind of reframing this a little bit because, yeah, I mean, this, this is how I enter to pretty much any uh, relationship with somebody that, you know, I, in general, I don't believe in artificial power structure hierarchies. I mean, don't believe that they're useful or good. And I find myself misplaced in them, uh, regardless on what level, because I just don't think they're a good idea. Um, so with... Any situations that I've been in where I actually did have somebody, a boss, that, uh, yeah, that, that I would have to interact with the longer term, I would sit down with them right away. And depending on level of trust, you know, how direct I was, maybe it would shift, but it went something to the effect that, listen, th this, is, this is who I am, this is what makes me tick. Uh, and those primary elements was... I don't work for you, I work with you. I work for a cause, mm -hmm. if there is one, hopefully, because that, you know, that's, yep. that's motivating, that's what get, that's where you get your impact from. And, you know, and I don't accept the, uh, the, a certain person having authority over another one, at least not moral authority, not legal authority through our system. We do grant people, obviously. Um, and if you agree with that, or we agree to disagree, but we can work within that, then we're going to have a good relationship. Now, very recently, I started reframing that, you know, if, if maybe somebody don't have a big trust built in, so laying this out like that, it's like, I don't work for you, I work with you, maybe threatening. 
So I started looking as like how to express the same thing in a form of needs. It's like, hey, this is what I need from this relationship. You tell me what you need, and we see where we overlap, where we have gaps, or we can, where we have to figure out how to make things happen. Sure. But it's, it's it, along the same along the same lines, very much, and that that comes from 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 management versus leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if taking a step back to what you were talking about, as far as leadership being that individual who's in, who inspires. Yep. Um, what tool? practice, thought process that you take away from this training to help you inspire others to be that leader that you want to see? Yeah. Um, So number one phrase that stuck in my head was, uh, you are the problem and you are the solution. So if we look at ourselves individually, and then then the kind of stuff to follow with this is that leaders go first, right? modeling anything noticing that that for the most things we are the ones that are creating problem therefore if we look internally and overcome some of the things that are not working for us we will actually become a solution to our own problem the one clear uh, this kind of going a little bit away from inspiration uh, but more from you know effective leadership was that Anything that you come in, and let me quickly take a look at here so I don't butcher this. A lot of new ideas in my head. But the the exercise that we had was that if you stick your hand out, go ahead, Jeff, and you and and I'm pushing, Mm -hmm. then you then you're pushing back, right? You're resisting. Okay. But the moment I stop pushing, the resistance goes away. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is with. with leadership, and let me quickly take a look at the, uh, there was like a blue list and a, uh, I mean red list and a green list of certain things that we do in general. So be, be aware of that. And, uh, and. So the last one is a randomized piece uh, You know, this is, there you go. Um, like any behavior that you're pushing, you're trying to drive, or you're saying something's mandatory, sell, tell, or make, you're gonna, you are going to encounter resistance. Mm-hmm. Anything that you pull, invite, uh, create optional, or you co-create and inspire, you will have a welcoming on it. So this was so powerful because it showed that it's not that they are resisting. How do I break their resistance? Is you don't have control over other people most of the time. I mean, no, no, you want to. You have control over yourself. So, if if there is a resistance, what am I doing on this red list? That I, if that if I stop, resistance will also will also stop. And it was really interesting. Focus is like. Don't worry about the, the essentially the red list, green list, green list, or don't try to do stuff on the green list. That just think about and be self-aware of what you're doing on the red list. Sure. And stop it, and see what happens. Now, when you stop it, then naturally what you're going to be doing, this the, the green list, it's going to kind of emerge on its own, and this is a small subset of things that can, that can be. Yep. Uh, but that that was the part of inspiration. So it's. Uh, being um, providing the psychologically safe space, uh, 
listening, being clear, uh, compassionate, and patient. Those are like a foundation for the for for a good leader to be able to lead, and that's where all the things as inspiration and many others kind of emerge on their own. I mean, I always thought for myself was the inspiration comes from I'm open, I'm vulnerable, I'm authentic, you know, and I share my stories. And through that, through my dreams, essentially sharing my story of my dream with you, making a human connection, and if you you are within my dream and you share it, you're going to be inspired. And then we can go on a journey together. So... That would be the, the, the my Conrad's specific small uh, definition of what what leader is, and, and I think in, for me that's that's good enough. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I definitely see myself falling in. I felt those things on the red list, right? Like yeah. there's times where it's like, oh, there's a time pressure. Let me just do this, and then I'll sell it to this group. Yeah. And then you, you run into a lot of resistance, right? Because Correct. you didn't co-create it. You didn't listen. You didn't, um, you know, yeah. you didn't invite the people to be along, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. So you're, you're pushing something on them. Where if you do the opposite and you yeah. collaborate, you work together, you invite, you listen, you, you know, you bring everyone along with you and, and build something incrementally, the change management kind of just starts to happen on its own, right? Correct. Absolutely, people. You, that's when you really become a leader because people will just start. They 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 naturally start following you. Right. So I. How much time do we have? Are we. Uh, no, we're still good. We're still good. So so there's a one thing that I I took a. Uh, one interesting thing that, that Michael does in his class was, um, note to your future self. Hmm. Like after the class is, now that you've been with it. What would you write to yourself if you were coming to it again? And what he does, actually, at the beginning of class, he shares those notes with students before they embark on the class. So you see, you see people's like, almost self-reflection from that. So, and I can, I, if you guys want, I can read, read to you what I, what I wrote, like what was note to myself after going through the class. Yeah. And that may be, may be a little telling on, you know, on how I felt, at least at the moment. Right now, it's somewhat digested. So just to yeah. clarify... At what point in this did you write this? I wrote this at the end of the class. Okay. To yourself, I, if you could have had a day one before you started. Correct. However, I read other people's notes before the class started. Gotcha. So, so I, so you kind of pay it forward almost. Uh, the other people wrote those notes so I could read them. I read mine. So they can read them, but it's from a perspective, what would I tell myself before I embark on this journey? It's a very interesting, uh, uh, I guess, mental exercise. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the notes that I read were really interesting, too. Uh, and then I was surprised what I, uh, what I wrote, too, for myself. So I'll read it to you because it was completely raw emo- excuse me, emotion at the time. Uh, right now, some of it is, you know, intellectually digested, I guess. So, uh, this is what I wrote to myself. Get out of your head and empty your vessel. Listen without an agenda and allow things to come together on their own when they do. Whether that's day one, day two, or later, later, later. Trust yourself that it will all make sense when you need it the most. Be patient. Hmm. So, some of the things that, that, that I got from this class, they still percolating in my head and I'm not 
one thing I'm doing is not trying to force make sense out of it but I'm going to trust myself that when it's important because I absorbed it the way I did it's going to come out I'm going to apply it that's my that's my new um, I guess approach to uh, to letting it happen as opposed to digesting it forcing it into my own head kind of like pounding it into my my neural cells well another thing that I took away from that of all podcasts that we were listening to um, we've been talking a lot about this week is that it's not about memorizing things you, your brain can only handle so much capacity for memorization but if you can remember if you can understand how things really work you can learn concepts really fast that yeah. build on top of that correct so thinking about I think math's a really good example. At a certain point, you start understanding how math is, or addition, subtraction, yeah. multiplication, division work. You need algebra. All of a sudden, you start throwing in trigonometry, and then, oh shoot, now I got to learn calculus, and I'm just milking. And now I'm just like memorizing things, and I don't really understand the flow of things, right? So I think, um, same thing, right? You're mm-hmm. learning these concepts and, yeah. and the whys behind mm-hmm. stuff, and as you learn more and more whys. It helps build out your foundation so you can apply it almost in any context, yeah. right? So I think, yeah. I think it's an important thing in whatever system you're talking about yeah. is really understanding those fundamentals and why things were created the way they were created, and then you can apply different practices within yeah. that. Absolutely. And you know, in this particular example, the, the, the extra step that I'm taking uh, purposefully or deliberately is that uh, the intuitive side of us. You know, so we always uh, bank on the rational part, making sense out of it. And and you know, intellectually getting it and applying it, it's awesome. I'm almost on purpose trying not to unpack or make connections uh, on the intellectual level. I want to sink into subconscious and intuitively then have it, have it, have it come out, appear itself. Uh, what, what put me on this path was the, exp- the meditation experience that we had in class. Because this was almost like, hey, here's so much material plowed into you and you know you're absorbing it into your uh, prefrontal cortex, right? You're getting make sense out of it, making all those connections, and then what? Storing memories are one thing. Mm-hmm. When meditation really opens up your your subconscious, or un- some people call it unconscious, and then with that open, it really floods that system, which is much more powerful. That's where emotions play into it. I mean, I had an emotional mm-hmm. experience in class, but just having silly would seem to be on the surface silly exercise but this is how deeply this this this, this neuroscience uh, uh, proved to us how, how deeply this can really impact you and affect you and and this type of learning it's a big experiment for me I mean I believe in it from many different angles when I'm truly trying to test the hypothesis on myself first before I start Applying it, with applying it, teams or, 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 or sharing, yeah, or sharing with other other people. Basically, uh, you know, before I say like I believe in it, I want to be able to say, hey, I've experienced it. And it's still anecdotal because only just me, but that's that's from my my side. The, the there are plenty of, of studies that have been done that actually there is a lot to it. It was interesting that you were bringing up the the seeking to understand piece because I was literally thinking about that this morning and the one that I always struggle with is is Little's Law and just understanding um, the, the bottleneck inside of there and how it affects the system overall and 
I, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking of exactly what Naval has said, like that seeking to understand. And so in my head, I started just thinking that, like literally walking through a scenario, if I was pulled into a room and I had to explain it, like, okay, how, what is a tactical way or a, a, a use case where I would talk about, like, what would happen as we started multiplying or just adding the additional things that we're trying to work on all at the same time. And it was just this great exercise of, for me to mentally step through and say, could I explain this in a way ad hoc that shows that I've got an understanding of it that I can make applicable in any situation versus I have to memorize this one scenario to illustrate the point that I'm trying to, to yeah. get after. And after having done that, like, um, it, it, it felt good. It was just, it was a reassurance that yes, I, I, I truly understand what this thing is talking about. It wasn't just something that I had memorized. And now it's like it was just this mental weight off my shoulders yeah. for a little yeah. bit because there's, I mean, we joke around that agile, we were talking about earlier, agile leadership. We'll just throw that word agile on all of this, this yeah. other stuff. But there is just this wide open world of cool stuff that we want to learn and try and incorporate to just be better people, better organizations, develop better products. But your your memorization capacity is only so much. Right. And yeah. it, like it, it's cool to have these subtle nudges to each other, like you know the 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 whole self, the yeah. listening, the the laser listening, the mindfulness, the you are the problem, you are the solution. Yeah. It's just nice to have these little nudges to each other that hey, remember this, and like just just help continuing to reinforce the learning and bring up maybe this thing that you were thinking about two or three months ago and it just kind of fell to the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, a couple of things that uh, stick in my mind very much. So, I mean, the quote that we've known and, and said many times, like, be the change in the world that you want to see. Yeah. You know, that that's the essence of, of, of this uh, course as well. Um, as a leader, it starts with you. That's where the, you know, I'm the problem and the solution comes from. But the other one, the, the one that ties in the consciousness to it is Einstein's famous quote is that any problem create, created in that particular consciousness cannot be solved within the same consciousness. Hmm. I'm, I'm a paraphrasing. That's not, a, sure. not verbatim how the quote went, but that, that's, that's the essence of it, which means that you have to change your consciousness in order to solve that problem. Which means it starts with you, and it starts with how you show yourself. What do you what what do you bring into the whole? As this, sure. So if you're coming in always the same, always playing out the same programs that are in your mind, then guess what? You're not gonna solve the problem. Mm -hmm. There has to be a shift in the mindset that that happens first on our individual level before we can see that shift mirror in other people and in the system. So I've got this analogy, and I don't know if it's original or if I've got this from somewhere, but your brain's kind of like a computer, right? And you just use the analogy of a program, right? Like your yep. brain's running a program. If it's running the same program, you're going to get the same results every single time with that same consciousness. Along with what we were just talking about before, if your brain's like a computer in that it has limited hard drive space and it can only absorb so much stuff. But maybe it is like when we're talking about anti-fragile systems, which we, we talk about this offline a lot, right? Like these systems that continually get stronger as you use them. Mm -hmm. 
maybe with the part that gets stronger is like your processor and your RAM, like the part that can store stuff and, and, and um, conceptualize things yeah. quicker, faster, better. Um, and that's what you can build up. Uh, and that's how you build those up by challenging yourself and continuously improving and, and learning how things actually work, right? So getting down to that how in yeah. the whole system and not memorizing things because your hard drive space is condensed. Maybe that can only handle so many things or something has to go out. Yeah, yeah. what makes me also make, made me remember is that you're talking about hard drive. We use an analogy of defragging your, your drive, right? I mean, <laughs> any, any, uh, uh, any people that remember hard drive defragmentation, that would, <laughs> that would be a little funny. But yeah, it's something like uh, our brains have only so much capacity, right? Like you said, Jeff. Um, when we have them filled with what's in there right now, then it, the cup that you're looking at filling with certain amount of tea or water, coffee, whatever, it's already half full, near full. So if you want to pour same amount, it's going to overflow versus if you start with an empty cup. So it's almost like giving up some of those coming blank into a space that's very much similar to that to the learning hack that I mentioned at the beginning but if you can empty and this is part of part of what I uh, what I what I wrote to my future self was drop all your preconceived notions come and empty and ready to fill the cup as much as it can hold not only what the space is left in it uh, you're talking about, yeah, so that, that would be very much uh, analogous to defragging a hard drive, right? When you're defragmenting, it's like you're organizing and creating more space. Maybe technically it's not accurate because here we're talking about removing some of the stuff. That would be deletion, not just defragmentation. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, you're talking about computer, a brain. Uh, to expand on this one, one thing that I've, uh, I've learned recently and I've been, uh, it's been kind of reason and source of my meditation practice and you know and, and other ways I, I try to open my uh, uh, my channels in, 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 in of the subconscious is that your conscious mind or all, all of our conscious mind or our prefrontal cortex right the, the analytical the in, in intellectual rational all that stuff is like a computer that operates about 4,000 transactions per second your subconscious mind is 40 million per second. And we cannot actively access the subconscious where all the programs are written as long as our conscious mind is fully operational. We gotta quiet that down. We gotta get that out of the way. And then through many different techniques, we can then change our programs as they exist. Kind of like two different partitions within your brain? Yeah, I would, <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could look at it that way. But that's where, you know, that's where, that's where some of those techniques come in, yeah. you know, the kind of the mindfulness is, is one of them. And any form of meditation, if, you know, if practiced for real, right, not, yeah. not just for, not just as a, as a kind of a fashion statement, right? That's where you make those differences, those changes. And this is where you know, we can go to, th this class was fantastic. A lot of material was, I already knew. What really made this awesome was that new aspect of teaching, bringing some of the consciousness, the energy, the meditation, learning aspect to it. I am dying to, uh, to figure out how to incorporate that into what I have to offer uh, uh, when I'm coaching and when I'm teaching, you know, how to bring that element into it, make it balanced and palatable. Uh, but so people can benefit from it and, and, and maybe, you know, something 
light bulb goes off and they get inspired and they start transitioning from the woo-woo to kind of like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, this is beneficial. I can use that. So speaking of, of that transition, it, I don't think you've read this one, but that Thinking Fast and Slow book. Oh, I've read that, yeah. Okay. A while, it's been a while, but I've read that, yeah. Read yeah, that so that, that's where the, to what Connor was talking about, System 1, System yep. 2, processing mm. and the power of each yep. of them. Just interesting stuff, but also the writer and the elephant analogy that keeps coming up again and again. Yeah. I may be wrong on the four thousand forty million, but oh, yeah, but but but, it's but but it was the exponential. The exponential difference was yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're just about wrapping this up. Are you on the Twitter machine, the Facebooks, the, the LinkedIn? I'm uh, not much. I've been. Uh, I am. I am on all of them. I'm not very active. I'm actually unplugging myself for okay. the for the mental uh, uh, practices to take hold. But uh, you can definitely uh, reach me on uh, LinkedIn, uh, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay. And if somebody wants, is there anything you want to plug at this point in the podcast? Uh, so I've started the organization Modern Org. Uh, I'm right now the only person that's uh, thinking about it, so I'm looking for for other folks that would be very interested in this space that share the passion and my my vision uh, and purpose for the organization was to take some of the things that we talked about here, some of the the odd, different, on the edge, uh, apply it within my organization uh, or would be our organization and be able then to share it with the rest of the rest of the world and um, uh, almost like know before you offer uh, and I'm leaving it purposely vague because there's really not anything specific quite yet I mean obviously started with, with our agile knowledge started in the agile space but I want to I, I do not want to uh, box myself to agility this this could be anything could be any uh, modern uh, practices uh, organizational structures anything that we want to experiment with and then use it uh, as as a, as an offering elsewhere, so others can benefit from it. If we find uh, things that work and things that don't work, so cool. Well, thanks for sharing your insights, Conrad. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank thanks you. Along, man. Thank yeah. you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Agile Wire. We are consistently inspecting and adapting ourselves. We would appreciate feedback at feedback at theagilewire.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play Store. See you next time.